thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Amen. You may have a seat and tell the person next to you, you look good tonight. You look good. Welcome to the house of God. How many of you guys know you look better at church? Um, you do. You know, there's so many places you could be tonight, but out of all places, God brought you to his house. And that is an incredible, incredible thing. We know that uh, we've been following this, this series. Uh, is the three R's of the, uh, of the gospel, really. It's uh, the three R's of the content of the gospel, which is renew. I mean, redeem, restore, right? So I spoke about redemption last week. Alba shared a lot about renewal two weeks ago. Was it two or three weeks? No, three weeks ago because last week we were at the conference. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, Alba shared about, uh, you know, the, the renewal of the mind and being able to be renewed in Christ. You guys remember that? Yeah, okay, good. So I'm going to bring five people, I'm just kidding, <laughs> to the front and ask you guys to stay in front of everybody. But um, sometimes... We remember some things, but we don't remember the most important things. We remember what we like. We remember what touched us. But sometimes what we need to remember is what we need to apply, and we need to apply immediately. And so today I want to do a very uh, applicable message about what restoration really is about. So I love restoration. To me, restoration is one of my passions. I love restoring uh, part of my Life calling, so you so so to speak, is to restore things, to restore, uh, you know, about the fury about my 1971 Plymouth, uh, right? I just love restoring. I, I can find something and I could see beauty in it and I want to bring it back out. It frustrates me to see something in a broken state that should be working, right? It's kind of like, no, it shouldn't be this way, it was created to do something greater. Bring me your broken iPhone and I'll change the screen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some of you guys, you know, uh, I, if not, if I can't fix it, you just can't be fixed. Okay, right. Uh, not really. I actually tried to fix yours and it kind of broke even more. So don't bring me your iPhones. Uh, but, hey, you got a new one. I'm just saying. Uh, I didn't buy it. But, uh, yeah, but it worked, right? Um, I, I know that there's a time and there's a place um, where you have to just call it quits. Cut bait, so to speak. And say, you know what, that's it. I'm trashing it. I'm throwing it away. There's a place where instead of restoring, you need to demol demolish. You know what I'm saying? There are homes that are not worth restoring. They're just, you have to start over. You have to go back to the foundations. But about, how about your life? At which point do you say, forget it. Let's just throw it away. At which point do you say, you know what, demolish it, end it. I don't know where you are right now in life. I don't know where you find yourself in. But I believe that God wants to restore Every single one of us. And here is the thing that I used to think restoration was only for the most jacked up people. Like if you're jacked up, then you got to get restored. And if you're not that jacked up, then, you know, you don't need restoration. You just need, you know, a little more God in you. But I believe every single one of us here need genuine and true restoration. Close your eyes, let's pray, and let the word of God sink in. Dear God, thank you so much for your love, for your grace. I thank you because I know that there are people here that are being held captive from truly fulfilling their purpose, from going to the places where they should be going, and God, having what you have in store for them. I praise you because you have great and amazing plans for us. I ask you that you just bless us, that you increase us tonight in a, in a more... Uh, 
in a more incredible way than, than you've done thus far. Thank you, Lord, because your word is true. Your word is real. Your word can change us. It can confront us. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Some people really try to master the word of God, but the word of God should be mastering you. So some people really try to be, oh, well, actually, actually. And they try to tell you like they know a lot about the Bible, but it doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. What matters is how much you're living the Bible. I could, I could tell you this. If you know 10 verses and you're living those 10 verses, it's 10 times better than somebody who's read the Bible 10 times and is, reading, and is living none of the verses. Right? I don't know how you are living because I don't know you personally. I mean, I may know you, but I don't know you. You know what I mean? Like, I know my wife. I know some people. But you know you. You live with you. Oh, is the, is the smoke machine? Is that what's going on? I was like, something's happening. Okay, cool, cool. So I'm going to read to you a, a part of the, the Bible that's going to trip you out. You're going to be like, nah. That's like kind of the craziest story I've ever read. Uh, and it really is crazy. And it's going to bless your life. And I believe God's going to do some restoration work in you today. Are you guys ready? Yeah. yeah? Okay. By the way, restoration doesn't mean refer, like you're refurbishing something. Like restoration means that you bring it back to its true state. Like you're not just putting like old parts in there or you're not just trying to patch it up. You know, um, it's like really going back to the original, going back to the beginning. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, cool. Let's keep going. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 24 through 29. It is going to trip you out. Second Kings 6, 24 through 29. And uh, here we go. If you don't have it, it's okay. Uh, open up uh, to Bible Gateway, Second Kings 6, 24, 29. If you see somebody in Instagram next to you, just grab the phone, smash it against the wall, do the Christian thing. Uh, and it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. Did I just say that out loud? I'm just kidding. No, king of, by the way, Elijah today, I was trying to use my phone. Uh, and, you know, we were supposed to sit down. Uh, Dido, which, Gido, which means Pastor Jorge, came to have lunch with us. And Elijah is like, no phones in the kitchen, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the table. And I was like, I just got called out. I said, thank you, son. Thank you. You know? Um, and I believe that there's reason is that because in my family we have communion time. We have a time of fellowship. Isn't it really sad? Just stop for a second. Watch, watch for a second. Have you guys ever gone to the restaurant and just people watch ever? Anybody know what people watching is? You just sit there and you just watch. And you see some couples that maybe are dressed like a date night and they don't talk the entire night. They just like are on their phone the whole time. And I'm wondering, wow, they really like texting to each other. Like, they must be, like, liking each other's posts and stuff, you know. Uh, they're either that or they just don't, they lost communication. They lost intimacy. And I, I would love for you to just grab a hold of that tonight and say, Lord, I want to be present. I want to be where you are. I want to be for, for an hour, half an hour. I just really want to be here. Let your mind stop wondering for a moment. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful thing that you're here today. But sometimes you could be with someone and not really be with someone. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I know... I know that's a really, it's a sad thing to do because I'm not, I'm not here asking for your attention. It's not really about me. But it's what God can truly do with someone who pays attention to what he has to say. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm just going to teach you what the word of God says. I'm going to hopefully show some things that will apply to your life. And should you move in that, I believe your life will change. So let's believe God that he's going to do something great. 
By the way, I'm not like rebuking or anything. I'm just saying. Okay, 24. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. Besieged. What's besieging? Hey, Sean, I'm going to besiege you. What is besieging? Anybody know? What, what? What, what, what? Conquering? Yes. Yes. So when you surround, so this is a war strategy, right? Now we don't know what besieging is because we don't use the word. We should bring it back, though. It's cool. And so, um, you know, instead of going in there and attacking a fortified city, what they would do and lose a bunch of men in the process, they would do is they would just wait. They would be outside surrounding the city, cutting all the supplies, all the water lines, you know, all the food coming in. Uh, all the trash going out. So in essence, what they were doing, they were just waiting for these people to starve to death, to weaken, to lose all their supplies. And eventually, they'll just pick them off as they come out of the city, kill them one by one. It was a very smart strategy. I believe that the enemy still besieges people, you know, cuts all the supplies of love, you know, cuts all the supplies of hope, of, 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 of vision, of true desire. Does that make sense of dreams? And he cuts you off and just waits for you to just weaken and eventually become desperate enough to where you have to come out and you feel like, yeah, I can't fight anymore. You know, I believe that this is what the enemy still does, but I'm not going to dive into that right now. I just want you to grab the concept of besieging. The, the people were being besieged. Uh, they were being taken, ha uh, you know, basically uh, hostage by Samaria. Uh, and there's a bunch of soldiers surrounding this, this small city. And there were a great famine in Samaria. I mean, uh, in Samaria. So they besieged Samaria. I'm sorry. The Syrians were besieging Samaria. And there was a great famine. And I'm not talking about like, oh my gosh, I missed lunch. I'm talking about this is what happened. Check this out. They besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. And one-fourth of a cab of dove, meaning poop. That's what that means. For a cab means, in another version, means, means crap, literally. So a uh, dove poop, dove of a bird, was being sold for five shekels of silver. So five coins of silver for droppings of a, of, a, of a dove. What do you think these people were doing with that? They were eating it. You're right. They were eating donkey's heads. They're like, well, we Mexicans, we eat every part of the donkey, you know, every part of the, the goat. You know what I mean? Like birria has got the corns in there and everything. Like, I don't know if other countries do it like that. But Samaria wasn't enjoying this part. They weren't doing donkey birria. They were actually really starving. They were hungry. And they were like, I'm, I, can't, I can't do this, you know. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him and said, help my lord, O king. And he said, if the lord doesn't help you, where can I find your help? The king himself recognized, I can't do anything for you. From the threshing floor, from the wine press. Then the king said to her, what's troubling you? Check this out. I don't know if he saw her distraught face. He saw her desperation. Listen to this. This is one of the craziest things you've heard tonight, I promise you. This woman said to me, give me your son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give me your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. The condition of the people of Samaria was so horrible that they were destroying themselves. They were eating their children. Cannibalism is the last resort. I don't know if you heard the story of the, the plane that crashed in the Everest Mountains. And they had to literally start, you know, eating the, the, the corpse to survive. Uh, it's a true story. It happened in, in Argentina, actually, by, by, the, by the, was it actually Argentina, the Andes, by Argentina? 
but Chile, exactly, it was Chile. And, and it's crazy because these people were so hungry that they said, here, give me, it's, it's time to, to eat your baby now. And listen to this, they, they ate the baby one day. I don't know how many other children they had, but they decided, imagine if you were that one. You're like, uh-huh, no, I'll take that one. You know what I mean? Like, imagine this, this kid, this mother had to give one of her children to save the rest of her family. To save two families. The condition of these people. Listen to this, the desperation they were in. Then Elijah said, skip to verse uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Then Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, a she of fine flour shall be a fine flour, meaning the good stuff, be sold for a shekel. Now, a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels, and poop was sold for like what, five or eight shekels? And two she of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, literally open heaven, could this really happen? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Meaning, because you did not believe, you won't be able to touch it. I'm going to read a little bit more, and then I'm going to start actually preaching. And even if I don't, you've read the word of God tonight. Check. More than enough. Now, there were four lepers, or four lepers man, at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us, surrender, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. Wow, smart. And if they kill us, then we shall die. Somebody say, wow. Say with me, wow. The revelation, right? And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses. They freaked out. The noise of the great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. The tents, their horses, their donkeys, they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing. And went and hid them. And hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also. And went and hid. And then they did the same thing with another tent. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is the day of good news. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning light. Listen to this. Some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore, come let us go. Until the king's household. Crazy story. These lepers, these four lepers were waiting to die. Suffering had even out the odds for the entire city of Samaria. I'm going to give you a little background on, on what lepers are. Anytime you hear leprosy in the scriptures, think sin. Anytime you hear leprosy in the scriptures, think sin. The disciples thought that. But I know that leprosy, although it may not be as prevalent today, although it is in some parts, leprosy still attacks us. Sin still does what it does. Let me tell you one thing. Please listen. Leprosy back then used to segregate people. If you had leprosy, Anthony, no one can touch you. As a matter of fact, you had to leave your family. You had to leave your loved ones. It, you could not have a relationship with her anymore. It wasn't like, we'll just Skype or FaceTime later. People would be literally just... Uh, you know, quarantine, they were left out. They were kicked out from society. 
There were people that their, their, their bodies began to fall apart because it began to attack their nervous system and their bodies couldn't fight disease. And literally chunks of their faces would begin to fall. Limbs would begin to fall off of them. These are people that would live with stank and, and they would live uh, in such a way that they, they could only hang around each other. And even that was difficult. Listen to what I'm telling you. These people were hurting so bad. This disease had attacked them. They could not have relationship with their families anymore. They could not live in society properly. They had lost their jobs. They had lost their purpose. They lost everything they had. Can I tell you that sin does the exact same thing? And if you don't believe me, I promise you, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you this because I'm old. I'm telling you this because I myself have felt the consequence of sin over my life. And I felt the destruction of it until Christ came and began to work in my heart and began to work in my mind. And all of a sudden that sin that was resentment and anger, that sin that would stop me from actually loving and being loved, God began to remove it in such a beautiful way that I can tell you now I am so loved more than I deserve, far more than I deserve. And I can tell you this, I love absolutely love what God is doing in my life and what God is doing in people around me. But it has nothing to do with gifts. It has nothing to do with being better or not. It's everything to do with recognizing, first and foremost, the root of the disease. Do you recognize what's hurting your family? Do you recognize what's hurting your life? What's killing your dreams? What's killing your, if I can be so, so blunt with you, what's killing your purpose, your life, your, the reason why you're even alive? The two most important days, we say, the day you're born and the day you discover why you're born. Some of you are simply surviving. You're not truly living. You're not truly living. If you're not truly living, people can tell. Now, here's the crazy thing about that. That these lepers, they were so disconnected. Listen to this. That not even the enemy wanted them anymore. That they were so broken, so messed up. And it almost seemed like the enemy didn't even care about them anymore. I want to tell you something. If you are struggling today, if the enemy is still attacking you, it's because, man, you matter so much. It's because there's still something to fight for. Does that make sense? That God's still grabbing on for dear life. Can I tell you a quick story about restoration? There's this kid. He was at a lake. I don't know if you guys heard about the Florida incident when, you know, this kid got eaten up by, by alligators. And it's not the first one, but it happened to be in this land. How many of you guys remember that? He's like three years old or four years old, something like that. It was one of the craziest stories. And it's a true story. How long ago did this happen? Maybe about two years ago, right? Similar story as this. This little kid was in a lake house with his dad. And dad said, don't go in the lake. Dad said, okay, I'm... I, you know, the little kid said, yeah, yeah, okay, like every other kid would say. But this kid decided to go on the lake on his own. When he heard the screams, it was his son being dragged into the lake by this, this alligator. The father came out, grabbed the son, and grabbed him by the hands, just kept on tugging and pulling at him. This alligator kept on twisting, the father fighting to not let go of his son. I want you to just think about the image of this kid being ripped by this alligator. The neighbor hears the commotion, comes out with a shotgun, boom, just blasts the alligator on the head. And the kid is, is spared. His life is saved. He's now at the emergency room. And, and the, the, you know, of course, he goes through surgery and has all this, this, in, this sewing that they had to do and restoration that had to be done. And the, 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 the what do you call the media people? The, the reporters, they come and the what, what? 
The press, thank you, the press, the, the reporters, they come and they ask them, hey, uh, you know, is it, tell us a little bit about the story. You're so lucky, you know, like uh, you, your life is spared. And this kid began to say, you know, and he was, he was you know, like, like a boy would be like, yeah, you want to see my scars? And like the media's like, yeah, of course we want to see your scars. And, and the little kid, they thought they were going to show him, you know, they show him the scars and it's like all tore up. And it's like, whoa. Can I show you the real scars, the ones that are the coolest scars? He's like, yeah. And he lifts up his little shirt that's like, here. And he shows him the marks of his dad's hands, not letting go of his child. He said, those are the scars that really matter. Those are the ones that really count. Can I tell you something? God's still fighting for you, man. He's grabbing onto you. If you're here today, man, there's so much God is still doing. I know the enemy's trying to rip you apart. He's trying to tear you away from those that you love, and I'm telling you this, especially those that will love you. You don't even know them just yet. You have no clue who's in your future. But I do tell you this. If you don't choose wisely, you can't have his future. You'll have your own. And I promise you, you can't choose better than God. You have not been to the future he has. He stands outside of time. We can't understand it because we live in a three, you know, this, this world only has these three dimensions. God stands outside of our dimensions. He's a multi, multi, multi-dimensional God. He's been there. He saw your husband. He saw your children. He saw your wife. He saw who you'll marry and he saw who they'll have as children. He's been at the future. He's been already at that breakfast table. And you're still wondering, who do I like? And you can't possibly pretend that you have a better way to choose. The first thing that you have to realize is this. What's my current condition? These lepers were in, were in such condition that they say, you know what? We are desperate. Some things will never change in your life until true desperation happens. This is what, I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, how can you be saved? Those who are saved by Jesus are those who are in themselves lost. Ruined and undone. Until you know your ruin and confess your sin, it is not likely you will ever accept a Savior. While you feel you can save yourselves, you will attempt it. But when you can do no more, then you will fall into the arms of your Savior. And what a blessed fall that will be. Have you fallen into the arms of the Savior? Let me repeat that. Have you actually let yourself fall in the arms of the Savior? Or are you still trying to save yourself? Let me show you what saving yourself really looks like. Saving yourself from God and for anything else. That's what saving yourself is. I know because I tried every Thursday night to fulfill joy with happiness. And it's not going to work. Let me repeat that. I try to fulfill joy with entertainment. And it doesn't work. You cannot entertain yourself enough. There's not enough in this world that will quench the thirst for the only true God. I'm telling you, there's nothing. If you don't believe me, keep wasting time. Keep wasting life. Keep waiting until something else happens. I'm telling you right now, and I don't have a reason to preach to you this. I can preach to you any other good old message that you'll clap and have fun with. And I'll just be like, yeah, that was awesome church service, huh? Let's just prosper. The way to truly prosper is not only financial. Listen, I would say it's not even financial at all. People, I don't need to remind you what you see in media all day long. Unsatisfied folk pretending they're satisfied. 
filters, filters, filters. I'm telling you, this life here now, filters can't do jack for you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. There is no filter for condemnation. There is no filter for brokenness. What will you use? Here's the craziest thing. These lepers came to one simple realization. Hey, we're going to die. We're going to die. Ding! The thing went on. The light bulb clicked. Hey, guys, we're dying here. By the way, if we stay here, we're dying. If we go there, we're going to die anyway. So we might as well do something awesome with our lives. We might as well try to do something greater other than stay here and survive. Can I tell you, these four lepers, they were messed up. I don't know if they're like, hey, let's go. They're just dragging themselves with one broken foot. One of them maybe was just like, you know, no ear. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, one's like, can you repeat that again? I'm kind of losing, missing an ear. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are like, where are we going? Do you get what I'm saying? I don't know what condition they were in. I don't know if one was having to drag the other. I don't know if two were being carried. If one was being carried by two. I have no idea what kind of marks they were leaving on the ground. I don't know if there was a trail of blood. I don't know what was happening in it. What I do know is they said, we can't stay here anymore. We have to move forward. I know there's a way of restoration. And the way of restoration, it's actually a way. You can't stay there and be restored. I've seen lives restored. As a matter of fact, I live for restoration. The reason I'm a pastor, listen, the reason I am a pastor is not because I can't do anything else. I can do so many things. But I'm telling you, seeing lives restored, I can't get enough of it. The problem is that church won't restore you. You know that the, the church won't restore you. The, I'm sorry to tell you, religion won't do it. This is a beautiful community. And as blessed as you may be here, and as loved and accepted and cared for as you will be, I promise, in discipleship, that's the common denominator. It won't restore you. Restoration only comes through Christ. And here's the crazy thing. Restoration is always tied to purpose. You can never be restored fully. Unless you're living on purpose. Never, ever, ever. Marriages, many times, they come and they try to get restored. And they try to get restored and not do the plan of God in their lives. I guarantee you, promise you, as I've seen, I'm not even exaggerating when I say hundreds of couples. In the 17 years of ministry I've been in, pastoring, I can't believe it's been so long. I've seen so many couples come through, so many the ones that do get restored are the ones that start living the purpose of God in their lives. I promise you, the young people I see get restored are not the ones that feel something awesome. I've seen people go to an encounter, boom, get blessed, slain by the Spirit of God. One time we were praying for this girl. I'm not even playing. This encounter was crazy. Crazy light under her feet. Like insane. People are like, what? Like freaking out. You're like, okay, pastor, now you're blowing that up. I brought a new person. Now you got to go and tell that story when I bring a new person. You can experience some insane things, like crazy things. Could be, ah! or some people like crying and screaming, and then they walk away to the same garbage they were living on. Why? Why? You see, because restoration truly only happens and truly only lasts when you walk on purpose. These people said, "You know what? We're gonna die." I, I got great news for you. Amazing news. You're dying. I know. I know, I know. You go, well, what the heck, Pastor? You, you mean I, I didn't go to a club tonight to hear you say that I'm dying. That's great news. You mean I left the boogie. Uh, is that still around? No, in Hollywood? Well, how do you know, dog? Uh, 
the palace. You know, like, I didn't go there because, and now here you tell me, yeah, you're dying, bro. You're dying. You're dying. We're all, we don't, okay. We're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dead. We're in the land of the dying going to the land of the true living. Amen. We are all dying. It's not how you're doing. It's how you're dying. Hey, how are you dying today? Oh, I'm, do- I'm dying great. I'm doing with a purpose. How about you? I'm just dying the same old way, you know, like everybody else. Just trying to survive, trying to be happy one more day. Squirrel trying to get on. You know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm trying to tell you? How many people are saying, you know what, if we die, we're going to die in style. Like if I go, I'm going to go out like for real. These four lepers were like, look, I mean, seriously, what do we have here? What if they would have said, but we're comfortable. What if they would have said, but at least we know each other. We have each other, bro. Okay, we have each other, and then what? You die first or I die first. What's, what's going to happen? I've seen this. People, mothers that throw themselves at their children. They live for their kids, and then their kids leave the house, and moms are like, they don't know what to do with themselves. They drive their husbands crazy. Husbands, they work, 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 work. They work, work, work. Work, work, work. Right? And then when they're done working, when they get retired, when they retire, they go crazy. No one can stand them. They're like, do something. Go grow a ponytail tail and drive a Harley. You know what I'm saying? Like, go do something crazy because we can't stand you in the house anymore. Purpose. Sometimes staying there, listen, sometimes staying there may be the thing that will kill you faster. If you just stay there, you have no clue how much longer you'll survive there. And I'm not even talking about physically. I'm talking about dreams, heart, passion, desire. Man, genuine, genuine purpose. And I'm not talking about get a college degree. Okay, that's part of the function because you're breathing and you're in the United States of America and that should be something you get to do. Okay, I don't want to sound offensive, but you have opportunities. We have opportunities. I know it's not easy. I got student loans that are like my pets. I'm going to just watch them grow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's going to be here. I'm going to pet him every once in a while, throw him a bone. You know what I'm saying? But like, I know it's, but I got opportunities. Dude. We got opportunities. Amen? Yeah. Amen? So that's not the goal. Having children, that's not the goal. I'm telling you, I got two of them. That's not the goal. They're cool. And they're amazing. But they also have a purpose. Having them and them having them is not the purpose. Animals can do that. Hello. Right? Dogs can do that. You're telling me that you reduced your purpose to instinct. I know that purpose, man, will find a way to just mess your current lifestyle and break into something better. That's what purpose will do. Here's the thing. These people said the following words. They say, if we sit here and we die, then we die. If we go there, then we'll probably die too. But, but, what if there's something better? These lepers, man, they, I love them. They're, they're awesome. They're, they're people that I would want to meet in heaven. I'm going to find those four dudes hanging out. You know, I'll be like, were you guys the lepers? You don't look lepers up here. It's like, I know, no more pain, no more sorrow. I'll be like, you were those guys. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what's because the Bible's not thick enough. You know what I mean? These guys realize that um, instead of denying their current condition, they said, this is where we are. Let's do something different. I, I heard, I read one time that there's this, this man who, you know, is a smoker and he, he kept on reading about lung cancer. And instead of stop smoking, he stopped reading. We do that, don't we? 
You keep hearing about the problem of sin and how much it wrecks people's lives and how much it destroys you and how much, much selfish it makes you and how much selfishness makes you hate you. Let me repeat that. How much sin makes you selfish because that's what it will do. I promise you that. The first thing about sin, the first trait of sin is that it turns you inward. You know what I'm saying? All the time, every time, you know, all of a sudden you start sinning. I promise. It's like clockwork. One person starts backsliding. They're loving Jesus backsliding. And the first thing they do, they start just working on themselves. Trying to make themselves, fulfill themselves, look better by themselves. Join three gyms. Start eating better. And I'm not saying everybody who's joining the gym and eating good is sinning and backsliding. I'm just saying that your first response is like, obviously, obviously, it's about me. Because this world's got to be about me. I mean, look at me. It's awesome. How much better can it, you know what I mean? Like if I'm living for me and I'm not being held accountable to anyone else, then I got me to look after. And that's what sin will do. And the problem with that is that a self-made man ends up worshiping its creator. And so you turn inward and you think all of a sudden you're your creator. You create your destiny. You create yourself. And that's the biggest lie. That's called idolatry. And I'm telling you, the moment you turn into an idolater is one of the saddest days in your life. You become godless, anti-Christ, an enemy of God. And that is the worst kind of place to be. These four lepers said, we're done living like this for ourselves. If we're going to die, let's die on purpose. And so they went out. Check this out. These guys went and they had choices. The choice was to go back, to stay where they were, or to go forward. You have the same three choices. To go back, stay where you are, or go forward. Well, pastor, I'm not doing drugs anymore, here's your cookie. That's great. If you're struggling with drugs, it's time to change. It's time to let the Lord do what he's going to do. Man, I'm telling you right here, right now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to raise your standards. Say, God, I want to change my life. I want so much more. But, but if you've already changed those things, if you already stopped Cussing, I don't know. You know, we choose whatever you want. But then you're stuck there. I believe you're selling yourself so short and you're selling what Jesus paid for. You're robbing him. You have three choices. Stay where you are. No, go back, stay where you are, or move forward. These guys, like I said, these guys said if. I wrote this. Fear says no. Apathy says wait. Weakness, weakness says I can't, it can't be done. Rebellion says I won't do it. But courage says yes. I'll do it. I'm going to repeat it again. Fear says no. Apathy says wait. Weakness says it can't be done. Rebellion says I won't do it. But courage says yes. What's your answer to what God has for you? What if I told you that in this world you have an incredible purpose. And that purpose is to go and to seek and to save that which was lost. That Jesus came to this world not to please you but to sanctify you. And there's so much pleasure in sanctification. Sanctification doesn't mean being perfect because otherwise why would you need God? Sanctification means set apart for a specific purpose, a specific reason. That no one else can do the job you're supposed to do. If you don't do it, people will suffer. If you don't do it, I'm telling you this, no one else can. God chose you for that reason. And while you meander, while you wait, people will suffer. Because see, here's the crazy thing. I can't see everybody's faces because honestly the lights are bright. Uh, but we're so different. You and I are so different. Sean, stand up for a second. Good looking man right here. All right, good. Chris, stand up with me for a second. Awesome, awesome. You know, Sean, you'll be able to reach people that Chris could never reach. You'll be able to touch hearts that he 
could never touch. You know, your background is so different than yours. It's crazy, isn't it? You're sitting in the same place. A dude from Mexico. Right here, I got you. All right. Uh, he's right here. Okay, good. So, you know, you come from such a different place. Where are you from? Uh, California, here. <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, so um, what's your favorite thing to do? What do you like to do? Don't say read the Bible. <laughs> okay. Um, read the Bible. Okay, okay. Go, go out, hang out, right. we have, have fun with friends. Right. That's pretty good. How about you? Soccer. Okay, 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 okay. okay. All right, so um, I can keep asking you guys questions, okay? So what kind of girl do you like? Like, describe her to me. Let's start with skin tone, okay? Skin tone. Okay, go, go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I just, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, Why? Oh, oh, because everybody wants you and you don't want to exclude anybody. I get it. I get it. Okay, okay. Why would you offend anybody? You like tone. I like a tone. I like, you know? What, what kind of, what color do you like? Should we have them all stand up and then the ones that are not the color sit down? Is that what you want to do? Yeah. And then they all get offended? No, what kind of skin tone do you like? Um, like darker, lighter, what? Lighter. Okay, okay, me too, me too, me too, me too. Yeah. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, so short or tall? Uh, medium. <laughs> a, little, a, little, a little more meat on the bone or a little more uh, chicken wings? <laughs> chicken wings, drumsticks. Health. Healthy. Healthy, all right. Uh, healthy can mean a lot of things, bro, but we'll keep it at that. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, Sean, so what's your name? I'm just kidding. No, okay. So Sean is such a different person than Chris. You know that? Now, should I, I know Chris is sweating right now. He's like, Pastor, please don't ask. Please, you know. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. No, no, you don't get free advertisement today. You got to pay for that kind of advertisement. Okay, yeah, how much? But, uh, but you're so different, so different. You know, Sean, I'm telling you right here, right now, your past, what you've gone through, is an incredible bridge to people that are hurting and that are desperate, desperate, desperate for the revelation of a child of God like you. Do you know that? That Chris... He has people that you will never get to ever, ever be in contact with, ever, because he plays soccer. I don't know, because he lives somewhere else. Does that make sense? Because he has something else. His life is so unique. And yet, God can do something so amazing that each one of you, he can give you one simple purpose. A lot of people wonder about what their purpose is in life. They go, oh, well, what's my purpose? And the cool thing about that, have a seat. Thank you, guys. The cool thing about purpose is that people ask themselves, what's my purpose? Because should they define a purpose, then they have no longer an excuse to be lazy about it. I know some of you are still trying to be lazy about your purpose and you don't like what I just said. And you think that the longer, here's the thing, the longer you wait to know what your purpose is, it doesn't make you greater. It doesn't make you bigger than what you would have chosen. This is a crazy thing. God already chose you for a purpose. He already chose you. The function is going to change. Function is going to develop and grow and morph. And it's going to be beautiful. But your purpose is one. And it's very clear. See, God made you for him. God made you to glorify him. To seek and to save that which was lost. And I know that sounds really strange for some of you that may be here for the first time. But lost in what? Lost in sin. Lost in brokenness. 
tonight there are people that are getting drunk and high, not because they're just trying to have fun. It's called self-medication. And I don't want to sound like an infomercial church. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell you seriously and genuinely that God wants to heal you and restore you, that you may go and do other things. The same, heal and restore a broken world. Jesus came to this world to seek and to save you so that you can go and do the same. There's this crazy thing about restoration. A, a, guy, a guy wrote the following words. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That's Winston Churchill. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. You're trying to make a living, trying to get things. What are you truly giving? Are you giving your life to truly the purpose of God in your life? It is of no fool. It's, no, it's not a foolish thing to give up that which you cannot keep in order to gain that which you cannot lose. Let me repeat that to you. Jim Elliott say, says the following words. It is, of no, it is not a foolish thing to give up that which you cannot keep, which are the things of this world, your life as it is right now, in order to gain the things that you will never lose, which is eternity, and all the things that are coming next. The problem is we have our mind. Come on, give God a shout of praise if you believe it. We have our mind so set on keeping, on maintaining, and we're not reaching, we're not going forward. These lepers, they did what we all need to do. Say, God, I'm going to die in style. If I go, I go well. This guy, man, these guys were in the, in, the, in, the, in the city, and I want you guys to think about the desperation they were in. And their salvation came from the least likely of all. They looked to the king, and the king had no answers. The king said, what am I supposed to do? If the God can't help you, I certainly can't help you. That's what the king says. And the answer of God came through the four most broken, jacked up, literally broken people. They were undone, probably apart. These people, the answer, salvation to their place came through the most unlikely people. What disqualifies you from the service of God? What disqualifies you from the service of God? Did you know that the less you have, the less you know, the more glory God gets. Like the more, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, where you've been, God can do something so beautiful with you. Look, I'm not talking about religion. Please get out of that judgmental mindset. Because sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, Christians are judging people. But sometimes Christians get really judged hardcore. Does that make sense? It's like, I'm not even talking about religion, dude. I'm talking about you, the purpose in your family. Like, be the wife that your children will one day say, I can't wait to get married. I want to get a wife like that. Or that your, or your little girls, that they will look at, at your relationship and say, man, I can't wait to start my own family. Because that is what it looks like. Instead of saying, man, uh-uh, I don't want to have kids. To struggle like they struggle with me, heck no. I'm not even talking about preaching from a podium. I'm talking about let your life preach of the love that God's given to you. I'm just, just simply saying that the purpose of your life is not just about you being happy. That will make you really miserable really quick. Very, very quick. And I'm not saying that there's not moments where you're going to enjoy things. You have to. It's, it's a beautiful thing that God's given to us. It's called time. And it's precious because it's going but I'm telling you that it is such an incredible thing to say, Lord, I'm available. Here I am. Restore my life. Restore my life. Restore my life doesn't mean give me what I lost. Restore my life says, 
Take me to the place where I originally was created for. Take me to the place where that place where you said this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is where you're supposed to be going. Not what the world says that you are. See, the world says that. Man, the world tries to define us so much. Here's the crazy thing about that. That these lepers were defined as the outcast. Yet God decided that they would be those that would be redemption. The choice we face is not as many imagine between heaven and hell. By the way, that's too easy. Rather, the choice is between heaven and this world. Even a fool would exchange hell for heaven, but only the wise will exchange this world for heaven. Even a fool would say, oh, heaven, I want to burn. But can you say heaven, not earth? Can you say, the kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Or saying, hold love on the kingdom, I'm doing my will. See, choosing heaven literally means this. Lord, my mind is set on eternity. My heart is set on you. This world here is a blessing, but it doesn't hold me up. You'll hear us say this over and over. You can't let me down if you're not holding me up. You can't let me down if you're not the one holding me up. I'm sorry to tell you, but you can't let me down. As much as I love you, you can't let me down. If you walk away from the faith, I'll be sad, but you're not going to let me down. Man, as a pastor, I tell you this. You can say, I hate this church, and just leave to the next one. You're not letting me down because you're not holding me up. I'm still steadfast. I'm still on purpose. Does that make sense? If you can believe that God has so much for you. You will be bulletproof in your heart. Man, I'm telling you, when you start depending on God, girls, guys, listen to what I'm, please grab it. If you can take this home tonight, man, you'll send me a check later. You should at least. I'm not, I'm playing. If you're new, I'm playing. Okay, I'm playing. I'm going to argument it. I'm like, ah, see, I told you. You know, like, you become bulletproof. Like, bulletproof. It's kind of like this. Check this out. Okay, seriously, just, just think about it for just a second. What if... What if you went back to work, okay, you're at work and people love you at work and you're the best barista if you work at Starbucks ever, you know, or maybe you're at school and you're the greatest student or maybe you have a relationship and like your boyfriend treats you like the queen of the world, you know what I mean, or maybe you have a, uh, you know, relationship and your, your boy, your girlfriend, you know, like she sees you and she's like, mm, mm, mm. like I want you always, you know, uh, and, and you're doing just awesome, great. And all of a sudden, that becomes the thing you hang on, you grab onto. Now you start being dead weight. Now you're grabbing onto. Now you're the one dragging. And as cool and as cute and as amazing as you are, you're dragging. Your weight. But what if you were being pulled by something other than that which is next to you? What if your life was driven somewhere? Now all of a sudden, you become a thrust. You become a motor. You become something, someone that will help everything drive forward, push forward. I love scuba diving, and so scuba diving does this, and I can't wait. I'm going to go in a few weeks to Philippines to scuba dive. Woo! All right, cool. So when I'm there, I'm going to just send you guys a picture. I don't even do pictures often, but I should. Um, I'm going to do it more, I promise. But this, this, this thing I learned in scuba dive is that you got this tank, and this tank is your lifeline. Like if you run out of your oxygen and you don't listen to it, because, by the way, when you're running out of oxygen, it goes, like that. When you breathe, you go, and that's your alarm saying you got like five minutes to get out of the water. Otherwise, you're going to choke. Like you're going you're gonna to suffocate down here, right? And so it goes, 
And you could hear other people at you, right? And so these tanks, all tanks, I would say most because I don't know every one of them. They have two little mouthpieces. Okay, Louis, come up here real quick for a second. And so these tanks, they have, I know he's about to get married. Sorry, ladies, it's too late. Um, in, a, in, a, in a month, huh? In a month. Yeah. <laughs> to that woman right there. Calm down. All right, all right. So uh, one more month, one more month, one more month. Hey, we got a crowd. We got a pastor. We got two. We got her. We got a bit cheaper. But uh, you can't get the deposit back, though. That's for sure. Okay, so if I'm, I'm scuba diving, right, and, I, and you start going, go, great. Okay, so now you're, you're in that oxygen. I can come by, and with my own tank, I just give you my own oxygen, right? And now you're no longer, and now you're, and you're breathing normal, and you all of a sudden get to experience the world of the sea. It's beautiful. And so you're there, and we're here. Here's the crazy thing about that. You're no longer independent. Now you're stuck to wherever I want to go. Do you know why? Because I got the tank. And if I want to go see corals, and you want to see a shark, you're going to see corals. Because I like corals. You know what I'm saying? So now you're here. Otherwise, you're... But if you're here, you're okay, you're, you're, you're all right, but you're always going to depend on me. And that's what happens in purpose. You're all over the place, all over the place, latching onto this, latching onto her. Because what's better than, does that make sense? That loneliness, that, that I, know what it feel, man, I know what it feels like to work for Fridays and Thursdays. Dude, don't lie to yourself. I've been jet skiing, scuba diving, skydiving, all these things, and nothing will satisfy like the presence of God. This morning, I had one of the most beautiful experiences with my king. You can't pay me enough. I can't climb mountains high enough. I'm telling you right now, there's no relationship that will satisfy more. Here's a crazy thing that God is the most incredible, most beautiful source you will ever have. You see, when you do these things, when you're leaning and depending on the purpose of other people and, and, and the life of someone else, eventually you're going to drain them too. Hey, let me just tell you for just a second. It is hard. It is so hard to live with someone who's depending on you. You make yourself as nice and as kind and as beautiful as you are when you're not living on purpose. Someone who instead of helping and pushing and driving... Now you're becoming needy and desperate. And why didn't you call? Why weren't you there? Should you do that as a husband? I want Natalie to tell me. <laughs> Should Natalie do that as a wife? I want you to tell me. Does that make sense? Because you have purpose. Now all of a sudden it's like, where are we going? You got your tank? I got my tank? Let's go further. Let's go wherever. Man, let's do this because it's going to be exciting. Does that make sense? Now give God a shout of praise. We'll leave it. What happened is, go ahead and have a seat. These lepers, I'm going to close with this. These lepers, right, they go and they see and they take this step of faith because it literally took a bunch of faith. And when they go into this camp, all of a sudden they see, what? The reward of the faith filled. The reward of those that actually have purpose. The reward of those that are not surviving but are actually living. And it took guts, it took courage. It took saying, you know what, if we die, we die. And here's the thing that happened. It says that they started, they got into this camp and they had silver and gold all over. 
they began to put, I could just see it, you know, because the Bible's not taken enough. I tell you, there's not enough story in it. So I could just see these guys, like, putting on the robes, you know, and or, like, putting up the helmets and the swords. Ah, look at this one. <laughs> you know, and, like, you know, like, ah, you know, they're, like, grabbing and, like, throwing each other, like, woo, like, you know, just, you know what I'm saying? Grabbing turkey legs and, ah, you know what I mean? They're, like, enjoying. They're, like, having the life. What else can you want? I mean, you had nothing. You were broken. And then you're looking at the city, like, in brokenness, and you're, like, ah suckers you know you're like enjoying it you're having fun and then one guy goes and wrecks the whole plan one dude says hey guys if we stay here till noon like this knowing what's happening back there we're sinning it's wrong to pretend like this is for us and I could just hear the other guy hey don't you remember what they were doing to us I remember how they treated us you know what I'm saying maybe the other guy said yeah man screw them you know what I'm saying? What if the other guy said, hey, guys, let's just enjoy it a little bit longer. Let's make it about us a little longer, just a little bit longer. I mean, how many times are we going to get this opportunity? You know, the way they might treat us. And I love this story so much because this is the story of redemption. This is the story of true restoration. These guys, stop. And I'm not going to lie, I would have done the same. They go and hide some of the stuff because they are a little street smart, you know. So they had a little bit of stuff. They hide it here. I said, okay, we're ready. Let's go. And they drag themselves back into the city. I don't know how that walk was. I cannot, because I, I told you, not story, not enough story. And so I could just see these guys walking. And I could see them. That must have been the most glorious two miles they've ever walked. Like Ever. And I say two miles, maybe it was one. But I could just see them just go, yeah. By the way, two miles because they hid the stuff not in the camp. A fool would do that. They hid the stuff far away from the camp so that they wouldn't catch it. So these guys were like just walking. Imagine this. All of a sudden they weren't dragging around. Well, we might die. I don't know what was going to happen to us. All of a sudden they got purpose. They got salvation in their spirit. All of a sudden they got something that the world needs. They have this thing. That will save their families. They're no longer just lepers. Now they're conquerors. They're hope to the hopeless. Does that make sense? Now they're not just walking around like this. Now they're like, let's go. Maybe they got a little pep on their step this time. They're looking at each other like, yeah, we're doing it right, right? Yeah, we're doing it right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, if Larry the leper, you know, <laughs> he tells the other guys like, hey, guys, watch this. He goes, gets close to the door and goes, he tries to open. It doesn't open. Okay, fine. Watch this. Boom, boom, boom. Starts knocking on the door. And the watchman, check this out. The watchman, the guy, the general, the one that was appointed by the king to be the one on the door. He opens it carefully. And he's like, yeah. And Larry's like, hey, we got salvation in us. We got the answer. This guy doesn't believe him at first. Yeah, right. The story says that this guy told the king and the king said, well, send five people. That sucks for those five people because they know it was a trap. He said, well, what if it's a trap? What if we go out and they capture us as we go out? What if they send these lepers? People may not believe you at first. They won't believe your change. Don't expect people to say, yes, you have God in your life. Can't wait to follow you. They'll say, prove it. Show me that there's change. And there's that restoration process. They'll tell you, yeah, I don't know about that. I've seen other people do that and all that's happened. They just led us further astray. But then, then, should you walk honestly and truly according to the scripture and to what God's called you to do, 
Five, maybe five, maybe five out of the entire will come out. They may follow you back into a place where they'll see, oh, my God. I can just see them walking back with the guy. See, I told you, I told you. Listen, they're coming back. Now they're in the town, and the town hears it. There's this guy, the gatekeeper, the other guy, the general, the one who didn't believe it at first. The Bible says that this one man that said, even if the windows of heaven were to open, these are his literal words. This could never be. He told the prophet, the man of God, you are lying to these people. Quit getting their hopes up. This guy said, far, fair enough, because you said so. You will see it, but you could never touch it. Because your lack of faith has done this to you. Listen, this is what the Bible says. And when I read it, I went nuts. I was like, what? Then the officer had answered the man of God and said, now, look, if the Lord would open the windows of heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Verse 20, and so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. The people stomped on him. They couldn't wait. They said, forget that. I'm not waiting on you. And they just ran him over and went and got, got the blessing. They received everything. There's one guy that didn't get it. One guy that could have and should have been in the front of it. He's the guy that should have come back to his family with the goods. Instead, his unbelief, his lack of faith in what God can do, got him nowhere. It got him to a place where he saw it. And I could just see the feet stomping on his head. The everything he's just trying to see and he's trying to get up. People keep pushing him down like if it's Black Friday or something. At Walmart. You know what I'm saying? This guy's like trying to get up and, and he can't. Why? Because his unbelief has brought him down. His lack of faith in what God will do, what can do. He said, no, nah, I don't believe that. I don't know if you're there. I don't know if you're like that watchman. But I would rather be a leper that's dying with hope than a living general. Without hope. You see? Because there are no hopeless situations. There's only people that have grown hopeless. And I just encourage you right now to say, God, restore my life. Restore me to the point where people can go and receive restoration themselves. If your aim is to not be broken, I'm sorry to tell you, you will always break. Always. Always, always, always. But if your aim is to say, God, restore me to such a point where you can lean people on my life. Where people can look and say, only God could have done that thing. I've seen that woman. I've seen that man. And there's no way, no way that that could have been done on its own. There's no human hand that could have worked on that. What if you told God, God, I don't want to just make it a church. Make me the church. Where people come near, they feel your presence. They see your love. They see your grace. They cannot help but feeling you around. What if instead of just getting smarter, getting a degree, your degree, I heard this before, I said that instead of trying to get a PhD, get a PhD past having doubts. Get to the place in your life where you no longer have doubts. Where your ultimate goal is to say, yes, I'll get an education, but that education will be used for a greater purpose. When I graduated as a psychologist, right, psychology degree, it's not a psychology, you still need forever, like hours and then accreditations. And then student loans. <laughs> I remember when I got, when I walked, can I be honest with you? Very, very honest with you. I had just received vision. That year, I heard a man preach. Man, my life had changed. I had this vision inside of me. I could not wait to leave the graduation. Not because I hadn't worked hard for it, because I knew that that was just a stepping stone. The real work was about to begin. The real stuff, I couldn't wait to get out and just, God, 
can't wait to invest more into your kingdom, to see lives change. I had my business. My business was doing well. And I got to tell you this, man, money could never replace. A title could never replace it. No relationship could ever replace the one thing that God wants to do with you tonight. And that is bring you back to the original state. And that state is this. To make you Christ-like. To make you like his son, Jesus Christ. If you've never been a Christian before, matter of fact, if you've attacked Christianity, I'm so glad you're here. Because it's not about that which you've been attacking. It's about the one who's been trusting you and believing in you in spite of your attacks. He's the one who cares about you so much that no matter how much you turn your back on him, he's still facing you. No matter how much you turn and walk away from him and insult him and spit at him, every time you walk away, you sin, you call it stumbling. I call it unfaithfulness. Every time you and I mess up, in reality, we spit on him and say, I'm done with you. And God says, while you're unfaithful, I'm still faithful to you. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. And when you're tired, he says, come on. I got more. Come on. You know why? Because he wants to restore you. Stand up with me for a second, please. I want to read to you one last thing as you stand. Lingering too long in the blessing will get you to lose your purpose. Lingering too long in the blessing will get you to lose your purpose. Some of you have done great. God has done some beautiful things already. Maybe you've seen the hand of God already. And I say congratulations. Should you dwell too long in the blessing, you can lose your purpose. Even if you've been walking with Jesus all your life, I would just encourage you to say, God, there's more. So much more. I see multitudes coming. Some that are here for the first time will get to hear it today. But we've been saying it since the beginning of this church. See, two and a half years ago, we went full time, my wife and I, in this. It's almost three years now. We've seen lives restored. Raise your hand if you've been here less than two years in this church. Raise your hand. Wow. Awesome. God's brought you to an incredible time, an incredible place. God is doing some incredible things. But you haven't seen anything yet. This is one of the three services, but I'm telling you this. Some of you in this place, some of you in this place, should you believe it, you won't be trampled, you won't be stumped by the blessings, you won't be left behind. To the contrary, you'll be bringing so much blessing to your families, to a city that desperately needs it, to a nation that is starving for genuine Christianity. Not just self-help thrown, splattered with Jesus. But genuine discipleship where you say, you know what, my life is not my own. It's not about me. What do you want to do, God? You know, I love the fact that in this church, there's multi-ethnicity. There's blacks, whites, Asians. Come on, Louis, let's get more Asians, dude. Let's go. You know, there's young, like, really, like, all kinds of backgrounds. We speak about four different languages in this place. If you call Jamaican, man, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a patois. You know, there, there's so, so much diversity. But the crazy thing about that, there's one culture that predominates over all cultures. And that's the kingdom culture. There's one king above us, one lord above us. There's one that says, hey, quit trying to do your thing. Quit trying to do you. Let's do us. Let's do this now. Let's do the kingdom of God first. Watch all these things be added to your life. Close your eyes. Let me, I, let me ask God to restore your life. But not to restore to where you feel good. To restore you 
where you are doing what he called you to do. When I am running on purpose, I become bulletproof. You can't fire me. You can't discourage me. You can't even hurt me. I'm running too fast for you to catch. Listen, when you are on purpose, I remember when my ex broke up with me. Her parents said, it was so hard, honestly. It was really tough. We talked about marriage and everything. By then, the vision had caught my heart. By then, I was already on fire. By then, honestly, I'm not going to say I never cared about her. I, I really did. Man, there were so many dreams. But man, when vision caught my heart, whoo, I went up to her in the lab, in the computer lab. We were at APU, and she gets really red. I give her a hug. We had been talking and being normal. I didn't, it's been months since we broken up. And she presents to me her, this guy next to her. He stands up. He's like, so you're Pablo. I was like, yeah, well, I don't know who you are. <laughs> He's like, so you're Pablo. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. He's like, hey, uh, yeah, by the way, uh, He's like, yeah, I'm such and so, and I'm her fiance. And I stand there. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you had a boy. I had no idea. Can I be honest with you? It didn't hurt one tiny little bit. Not because she wasn't cool or important. Because I had purpose in me. Because I was going somewhere and fast. Because my heart was on fire. Because I knew that God had greater things. And I don't want to tell you that that which you need to leave behind is not good enough. But it maybe doesn't fit in your future anymore. Some of you in this place need to say, God, I need to move forward. I can't stay here. I cannot stay in the place where maintenance is happening, where I'm merely surviving. I want to enter into a life of exhilarating passion with you, Jesus. Where I want to see my life being used for the transformation of generations. This is no longer about convincing you that God exists. It doesn't matter at the end of the day if you think he exists or not. If you believe in him or not, he believes in you all the time, always. And you don't modify him. You don't change him. He is who he is. He wants to love you. He wants to restore you. Dear God, I pray right now that every person that's standing right here right now, if there's someone that still hasn't truly committed their life to you, God, I know it's not about one prayer that changes it all. Oh, no, God, it's about faith that moves the mountains in their life. The little bit of faith that says, this problem seems like a mountain. My question seems something I can't overcome. I have questions, man. I have resentments. I have things I need to deal with. There's sin that's so huge. And the Lord says, should you have a little bit of faith? And you tell that mountain to be thrown into the sea, oh, it'll move. It'll be thrown into the sea. God says, do you have a little bit of faith right now? Let God do what he needs to do. Would you believe God for purpose? Tell him, God, change my life. God, give me purpose. God, give me your vision. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you use me. Use me. If you're in this place, would you tell him, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Would you change me? Forgive my sin. My sin. I did it. I can't blame anybody else. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sake. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. I ask you that you change my life. Make me the person you want me to be, God. I surrender myself to you. I put myself at your feet. I fall into your arms, God. Jesus, thank you because you have done so much already. If you never do anything else, you've done plenty. But God, I know you have so much in store. Let me pray purpose over you. Dear God, I pray right now. That the women in this room, oh man, I feel in my heart there are a few of you 
a few of you that have been struggling. You graduated, you got your you know, degree, or you're fighting to get, you're about to graduate. And you're having a hard time seeing yourself function in these things you've been working for. And the Lord says, man, you're much more than a function. You're much more than what you studied. You're much more than what you worked for. Don't limit what I have for you. You have so much more to give, so much more to do. Win souls and make disciples. How about that? No higher calling than the one that Jesus had. See, should you become a lawyer? Make lawyer disciples. Should you become a doctor? Win souls and make disciples as a doctor. You see, even if your function shifts, your purpose will keep you. Oh, man, your purpose will keep you. Should your business go down like mine in 2009 in the second great depression of the U.S.? Our hearts were not moved. We were steadfast in our purpose. You see, because you could serve God with money and you could serve God without money. You could serve God as a single person and you could serve God in your marriage. You could serve God with children or waiting for them. You could serve God. You can serve God right now, tonight. You can serve God. So I pray, God, that you just bless them with purpose, that they become laser-focused, that this church would see that the reason we do cell groups, the reason we do personal, intentional discipleship, is not because we got extra time, but because the time is yours, because the people are yours, God, because we cannot afford to live half-hearted lives, half-hearted Christianity, God. There's too much at stake and not enough time. I pray right now, Lord, that you give us a sense of urgency about our lives. Someone here needs to read a book that will change your life. Someone here tonight needs to hear a sermon that will change your life. You need to get into the presence of God so your life will change. Have urgency about your relationship with Jesus. Someone here needs to be on their knees and broken the entire night. Some of you in here need to break up. And some of you in here go need to make up with your family, with someone that you've hurt. Some of you in here need to understand that there's no time. No time. If you stay there, you'll die. But you got to go forward. You may die. Oh, but you may bring a lot of people into hope. You may bring a lot of people into heaven. A lot of people, man, into a new life in Christ. Jesus, I thank you for the short time in this world. I pray that tonight, tonight, God, will not be a night that we forget. That no matter our condition, we can move forward. Dear God, thank you so much. Can I pray one last thing? I know I prayed long, but this is aching out my heart right now. Thank you, God, for the faithfulness thus far. For the people that are here and have believed you so far. I pray, God, that they would taste the greatness of your love, of your mercy, and of your hope. That the spoils of the enemy would be handed to them, God. I pray here, God, there are women that have been keeping themselves in holiness. They've been protecting and guarding their lives. I pray that you reward them, reward them greatly, God. That they could see that there's value in going forward, God. I pray.